Hi, this is Emily. And this is Maddie. And this is Spill the Mead. Oh no, the mead. <laughs> Bitch the pot, the tea is hot. Glug, glug. Disclaimer, the focus of this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the people and events mentioned in this episode are real, due to the nature of historical storytelling, we cannot confirm authenticity of specific details. That being said, please don't quote us in your history essay. Just enjoy the gossip for what it is. Gossip. Gossip. It's just gossip. Don't make it a thing. It's just a little bit of gossip. Don't make it a thing. Mm -hmm. We love a little bit of gossip. And what's your gossip on today? (laughs) We were not going to do bad accents. And here I am just like running right into it with my bad Boston accent. Uh, You know, well gonna have to deal with that <laughs> everyone's got their flavor maybe ours is just bad accents yes. um so today is real exciting because from here on out it's suggestions we've got enough buck yeah yes so this mm-hmm. was the first one uh we got a little a little line dropped that said did you guys know that cleopatra and mark antony had a secret drinking club i did not know that i didn't either that's amazing so thank you so much for the suggestion we can't say who but we appreciate yous and i love it even more because it was a secret drinking club and there wasn't that much information on it because so that means it's really secret it was so secret mm-hmm. so um I also didn't realize, because, you know, Cleopatra. I'm like, oh, I know Cleopatra. No, I don't. I don't know anything about actual Cleopatra. I haven't even seen the Shakespeare, like Cleopatra, Mark Antony, nothing. So this was all very new to me. So I figured the way we're going to do this, mm-hmm. since, unfortunately, none of us were at that secret drinking club. There's not <sighs> a lot of information. I wish I was. I know. I feel like in a past life, we, we were. were. Um, it feels familiar to me. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit, well, everything about Cleopatra up until that point and everything about Mark Antony up until that point. Perfect. And then a few other factors after that. And then we can all speculate using that information, what Mm -hmm. we think they were doing in that drinking club. I love making a a big jump. I like jumping to conclusions. I know. You give us a suggestion, and we're going to do it. Even if Uh there's no information, we will make it work for you. (laughs) So please send us your suggestions on any social media messaging, or you can send it to spillthemead.gmail.com. Yep. Cleopatra Thea Philopater which means Cleopatra, the father-loving goddess, was born in Egypt in 69 BC. So that's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot going on. Um, She belonged to the Ptolemy dynasty, and she wasn't actually Egyptian. She was actually of Greek descent. I have actually heard that one fact before, and that's... That's it. Yes. Her family (laughs) um, had ruled Egypt for over three centuries. Um, It was one of those families where her own parents were probably brother and sister. Um, Yeah. Despite (laughs) this interbreeding, though, uh, long before Cleopatra was born, the Ptolemies did have Greek blood mixed with Egyptian blood way back there. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she had a smidge. One sixteenth Cherokee. You know? (laughs) She's one of those people. One of those. She's like, no, I can rule Egypt. I'm one sixteenth. I'm one sixteenth. Egyptian. <laughs> on my mom's side. That's not how it works, Leo. Her father, Ptolemy Twelfth, the player of pipes, was not popular. He was known as an alcoholic music lover. And he oh, had same. a... Yeah. <laughs> Dad? Dad is 
Is that me? Uh, he had a great rebellion going on um, during his reign, which the royal family had to go into exile, and the whole dynasty was in the last stages um, of, like, it was going down. Like, it was almost over when she inherited the throne when her father died. So... He left the throne to her and her younger brother, uh, slash co-regent, slash husband, because she married him, and he became Ptolemy the Thirteenth. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, yep. And he was ten years younger than her, so he was eight and she was eighteen, and so she became the dominant ruler of the two. And one thing about Cleo is she really embraced um, a lot of Egypt's like ancient customs, and she was the first member of the Ptolemaic rulers to learn Egyptian in three hundred years. That's. Yeah, like great, but like bittersweet. It's because a sad. why did but no that's else? great for her? Yeah. yeah. So you know that kind of that says something. Yeah, mm-hmm. put that in the brain bank. Her. Yeah. Um, she was renowned more for her intellect, charm, and conversation um, than her physical appearance. But I mean, when you hear Cleopatra, you do I think kind of think yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was said she spoke as many as a dozen languages, which oh my God. I know educated in math, philosophy, oratory, astronomy, and it was said that she was a ruler who quote elevated the ranks of scholars and enjoyed their company end quote. Damn. So she's she's a smarty pants. Yeah. Um, however, there is a direct contrast to all of this. Like, she was a first-rate scholar, a scientist, a chemist, a philosopher. Are you bringing us up just so you can bring us right back down? Well, you know, if you're Roman, you're going to say that she was a scheming seductress who used men to further her own goals and all of that. I still don't see anything wrong with this. Well, okay, so like I said, I didn't know really that much about Cleopatra. So, Emily, what what do you know? Am I the only one who knows nothing about um, her? I know that I made the very poor choice to be her when I was like 12. Me for, too, for Halloween. For Halloween, Girl. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very bad decision. Shouldn't have done it. Can't do that Were in 2022. She? Yeah, no. no. Uh-huh. Yep. Poor choices. Um, But nah, I don't know if there's anything else I know about her, honestly. Right. Like, I can picture her in my head. Right. But that's basically it. And I knew she was, like, the ruler of Egypt. Yes. And I knew she was a bad bitch. Right. That's basically it. Yeah, you kind of associate it with beauty and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, hottie. Yeah. I knew she was a hottie. That was was just in the back of my head. The Elizabeth Taylor and all of that, you know, her version. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, some some evidence suggests that she wasn't beautiful at all. But, again... It's such a, it's such a construct, and you know, like there's differences, like the beauty standard and everything. So who knows? But I did find that there was a lot of emphasis on her voice, like she had this like melodic voice or something. Ooh, so yeah, love okay, that. Yeah. Um, but I did find for you, Emily, some Egyptian coins with her portrait on it that were Ooh. from her contemporary time period. So she would have been in her twenties. <laughs> yep. So for all of, for everyone listening in their cars or at work or who cannot get to Google Images right now, why don't you take a peeksy poo at those? I think three or four images and tell me what what the similarities are between all of these images of her. Yes. Um. I mean, I, I would say that they're, like, pretty similar for the most part. She has the same hair in all of them, too, which yeah, is that interesting. Low bun. She's got a low bun. Mm-hmm. With, like, a little, a little like, headband. headband. Yeah, yep. a little bandana going on. It's cute. But she has, like, 
a very similar profile in all these with like a strong nose Mm -hmm. and like a strong chin. Yes. Too. Perfect. So that's where people are getting like, well, she wasn't very attractive. However, as someone with a strong nose (laughs) and a not strong chin, I say, how dare you? Okay. So um, one thing about Maddie, hi, I'm Maddie, is I love a big nose. Like I Maddie appreciates my big nose. Oh, I love it on like men, women, a big nose. You Mm -hmm. instantly look exotic and beautiful to me. I love it. It's interesting. I'll give it that. (laughs) Love your nose. (laughs) But but, um, so yeah, so that's what people are getting it from but some historians argue that she was using her public image just like celebrities do today for like propaganda right like okay. more manly appearance you know no, like I, I'm I the can, ruler right yeah well, and when she's taking a, a quote unquote man's position I could see people trying to pull that shit right oh she's so manly look at her and if you look at her father's coins and stuff like she has his like strong jaw and like large hooked nose so i think a lot of it could have been like a propaganda kind of thing as well like a display of strength you know Uh like my inherited right to rule or whatever yes but um at ceremonial events she would appear dressed as the goddess isis showing that she was too a semi-divine um so isis is the most important goddess in egyptian um, mythology and her worship stretched for over 5,000 years like Isis was like the one yeah. so her associating herself with Isis is uh-huh. like you know good for her definitely making Perm- making a statement mm-hmm. so the murder of immediate family members and power plots were very normal in the Ptolemaic royal household so in 50 BC her brother husband co-regent <laughs> oh god man um, his name kind of started to precede hers and soon after he forced his sister wife <laughs> who was trying sister to sister wife not in the like no not in like the, the flds kind of way i yeah, know <laughs> um no not at all in an even um, worse way <laughs> So she was she was kind of trying to take sole possession of the throne. As um, she should. She's the oldest. Right. It makes sense. Exactly. But she's like not going to be pushed around by her younger brother. Good so she, you know, raises an army in 48 BC oh, and returns to face off in her brother in a civil war. So that brings us to the arrival of Roman general. Brrr. Julius Caesar. (laughs) And he did bring temporary peace between the siblings. So obviously Cleopatra and Julius Caesar are a whole thing and we're not. We're not. Okay, mm-hmm. we're just gonna breeze over it <laughs> again we to give you. An I feel insight. like getting into that yeah. would take a long time. But you've got to talk about him because we need insight on Cleopatra right now to figure out what she was doing at her drinking club. This is like a fun little mystery version of Spill the Mead today. Ooh. So, um, so Julius Caesar's there. Um, things have kind of settled down between the siblings now, and Cleopatra realizes that she needs Caesar's support to regain her throne, and he wanted repayment of this massive loan that was incurred by her father. So Caesar and Cleopatra ended up spending that whole winter all holed up together and besieged Alexandria until the Roman reinforcements arrived and they defeated Ptolemy XIII's forces. Cleopatra wins. Um, Apparently after he was defeated he drowned in the Nile. I don't again that's another story. That's suspicious. That's all I got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he just walked out there holding yeah. some rocks and I I, I don't mm-hmm. know what happened Interesting. there. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Let me stress 
I do not know if he walked out into the Nile holding rocks. I don't know what happened. But it let was... me stress, I'm going to make assumptions because it's me. So, <laughs> yep. interesting. He actually, like, did a walking handstand out into the Nile mm-hmm. and did it that way. Um, he, like, flipped everyone off as he was going yep, in. Yep, yep, yep. And then a crocodile ate him. Yeah. <laughs> We're rewriting history now. <laughs> yes. Um, don't quote us in your history essays. We already said. Um, but don't worry, because she had another brother who was younger, so she married him, and he became Ptolemy the fourteenth. Well, thank goodness. Yeah. There's no shortage of little brothers to marry. Yep. So she regained her throne. Oh, she's she's going to end up killing him too. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Um. So in June 47 BC, Cleopatra gave birth to Ptolemy Caesar, who was known as Caesarian. Or Little Caesar. Oh, like the pizza. Or like this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like the C-section, yeah. <laughs> I did think Caesarian like, made me I like my too. eye twitch a little bit. I was like, ooh. I went on a whole little side quest to uh-huh. do some research on this because I'm yeah. like, wait. Is yeah, this why? Where it came from? Okay, so it's commonly believed to be derived from like the surgical birth of Julius Caesar. People are saying that that's how he was born, but oh. probably not because his mother Aurelia like lived into his adulthood. Yeah, listen, <laughs> so... I feel like how did people survive C sections like fifty years ago? Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. That was rough. Yes, and like at. At that time, the procedure was really only performed when, like, the mother was already dead or dying, you know, because Rome was always trying to, like, increase their population. So Uh she's gone, try to get the baby out, you know. Um, Other things say that Roman law under Caesar decreed that all women who looked like they were going to die in childbirth had to be cut open, hence the cesarean section. So it could have all been from that. It also could have been another Latin origin (laughs) because the root word means to cut. So it's probably that. Oh, yeah, it's probably that. (laughs) But you know what? The other origins are more interesting. So I like those ones. (laughs) So there you go. Um, But this was Julius Caesar's only son that he's ever going to have. Yeah. Even though he'd been married three times and he's married right now to this lady named Calpurnia, who's honorable. People uh-huh. like her. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. That's an oh. ongoing theme. Oh. So the oh, most right. powerful Roman just produced an Egyptian heir named Ooh. after him. Other Romans are starting to get mad. You you see where this is going. Yep. So Caesar returns to Rome. He celebrates this obnoxious four-day triumph in which Cleopatra's youngest sister, Arsinoe, love it. Oh. Um... She, they had her like paraded through the streets and chains, but they said that she like bore it with such dignity that all the Romans <gasps> were impressed, and that you know Cleopatra didn't let that. She had her killed too. Um, oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. Cleo, I know and <laughs> we gotta talk, right? Girl. And so like Julius comes back in this whole you know thing, and now he's like trying to change Rome. He's like replacing their um, calendar with like the Egyptian one, the one that we use now, actually the 365 days. Month. Oh, so before that they were on, um, the calendar regulated by the movement of the moon, like the Muslim calendar. Oh, yeah. So that was because Cleopatra, um, he was doing like outrageous things like Cleopatra and their son, her and Caesar's son and her youngest brother, new husband all went oh. and visited 
Caesar and like stayed in his private villa and he like erected this golden statue in her likeness as Venus. Like he's it's his a lot. Wife was yeah. probably like well her poor <laughs> excuse me younger brother husbands you know and yes, then like there's brother this husband kid, like yeah like their kids yeah, there who's an actual <laughs> child yeah so he's doing oh, this no. so all the Romans are like oh god he's gonna like make himself a ruler for life and then he's gonna give it to like his Egyptian kid after he dies yep so. 60 senators assassinate the great Julius Caesar in a very public assassination. And to Brute. To Brute. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cleopatra was there, not there. In Rome, though, at oh. the time. Oh, see, I didn't yeah. know that. No, I know, not good. Okay. Right? Not mm-hmm. where you want to be, probably. No, run, girl. Yeah, so she's fearing for everyone's lives. So she disguises her group and she gets out and escapes to Alexandria. So, soon after that, Ptolemy Fourteenth dies under mysterious circumstances. So mysterious. Um, yeah, people have said that it was probably <laughs> the order of Cleopatra, but Aww. whatever you know. You know, at this point, for all intents and purposes of this gossip history podcast, yeah. She absolutely <laughs> did. Yeah. I mean, go off. If you ask us, it's fact now. <laughs> yep. So now she's just ruling with her infant son, with Caesar, and now he's Ptolemy the Fifteenth. So it's just yeah. her and her baby boy ruling in Alexandria. Okay. Yep. So that brings us to Marcus Antonius, who was born in 83 BC, which is nine years after Cleopatra's birth. Okay. Um, because I'm very bad at math and numbers and counting in general. And we're going backwards. Oh, God, the BC thing. I'm uh-huh. like, I. how old is... Uh, <laughs> so nine years... After Cleopatra, nine years younger. Okay. It doesn't really matter. And Antony gave, like, so much promise in his youth. Like, he looked like, oh, man, he was, like, set up for success. He was going places. He was. But he met this friend named Curio. Womp womp. And Curio himself was this aimless, unrestrained in his pleasures. Like, he encouraged Antony to go out, like, drinking with him and, like, with all these women and, like, Mm -hmm. these extravagant expenditures like extravagant like he got mark antony in so much debt before he turned 20 that that debt would be the equivalent of five million dollars today holy before shit. he was 20 what does one spend the equivalent of five million dollars on back then mm-hmm. like what are you ladies uh, <laughs> I don't know. how many drinks are you buying right <laughs> but he was in so much debt that he had to leave he left to greece wow yeah and then he uh, took part as a cavalry officer in the military where he performed exceptionally well mm-hmm. and he was even promoted to the personal staff of Julius Caesar. Well, shit. And <laughs> now he's like out, like he's not with that friend anymore, right? So no, he has no, that, that influence gone. I believe that was like a childhood friend. Okay, so now but, he can really succeed well, more. Uh, oh, oh, the no. childhood friend kind of shaped who he was, unfortunately. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So he was a brilliant commander. He was really good at it. But, oh, man, the the debauchery and, like, the drinking oh. and, like, sexual excesses and all this was just distracting him from his duties, yeah. much to the dislike of Caesar and the other officers. But the 
the common soldiers loved him and like oh, rallied yeah. around him. Uh-huh. Yeah, they loved him. Because he's like their friend too. Yeah, he's oh, like yeah. one of the boys now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a reward for his military conquest, he was um, appointed a tribune back in Rome and so he represented the interests of the people and so he was very popular with the common people, like the common man and he actually used that popularity to help gain support for Caesar who was being challenged in Rome at the time. Oh, okay. Not super popular. Yeah, so he was persuasive. That's good. He's nice charming. insights into, yes, into Mark Antony here. Um, so with even more victories under his belt, his growing popularity, and his unquestionable loyalty to Caesar, um, he was like eventually appointed to Caesar's second-in-command. Well, yeah. So that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's important. His, like, his bottom bitch, if you will. His bottom boy? <laughs> no! Ah! Top, Top bitch? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Mark Antony heard rumors of the plot against Caesar, but he was unable to do anything in time. So on the Ides of March, when Julius Caesar was stabbed to death in a very, very public assassination, Antony fled Rome dressed as a slave. Oh, yeah, see a little, they both left in disguise. Uh-huh. Yeah, disguises will come up later. <laughs> so he left, he returned with soldiers, and he took charge of Caesar's will that was handed over to him by Calpurnia. And he gave this, like, stirring eulogy, and he ended up turning the tide of popular opinion against the conspirators. Wow. And drove them out of Rome. Yeah. So this he's a guy's so charming. Guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in his will, Caesar left uh, his wealth entitled to his teenage nephew and adopted son, Octavian, okay. who promptly you know, showed up to claim his heritage, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm here. Where's my stuff? Yep. Um, But Antony didn't want to hand it over to a quote boy that he felt he was. And he felt like, Hey, I was second in command. Like, obviously it's me. I'm the successor. So yeah, Yeah. that's not how wills work. But you know, Um, his name's Mark, not Will. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. I'm sorry. I'm not. (laughs) Please keep listening. Um, Okay. So Mark Antony is pursuing Caesar's killer. And um, the army legions supporting Octavian's claim, like, scored a whole bunch of victories against Antony. So he has to retreat. So Caesar's assassins were preparing to descend on Rome with their troops when Octavian, Antony, and some third guy, it's a long name, He's, you know, he's there. He's a Roman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they hastily call this truce that jointly defeated the traitors against Caesar. And oh. so the three victors divided Rome's territories between them and Antony got the east. Okay. So that's his, that's his area. Fair enough. So he's very in charge of the east. And so he summons Cleopatra to appear before him because oh. of acts of sedition against Rome. Oh. Yeah. So he's planning on finding her this substantial amount of money and gold to help pay his army for Uh-oh. everything. Yeah. So she receives all these letters from Antony, from his friends, all these people trying to summon her. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'll get there when I'm ready kind of thing. I'll so, get there when I get there. Yeah. And so <laughs> she leaves when she damn well feels like it. And she's just loaded up with gifts. And like, she's put the, you know, the game on nicely where Antony's like, I need to see her. Like, who it's like, who is she? Like, she has the audacity, you know? Uh And so he's all excited to see her. And so she stage managed her entrance, like, super fashionably late. And it was in such a way that, like, Antony was just blown away, like, spellbound from hell. Yeah. Yes. And I have a very long 
um, contemporary quote describing that, and I'm going. I'm only going to like pick out the key parts of it because it's long. Yeah. Um, but people who were describing her showing up, so they said it was almost like she was mocking them. She comes like sailing up this river in this gilded barge with these like purple sails and silver oars, like beating to like these music of flutes and harps, and she's laying under this like canopy of cloth of gold dressed as Venus. Oh. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. She has like people standing on each side fanning her. Her mates oh. were dressed like sea nymphs. Oh my like, gosh, she's a whole ass vibe. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Antony had set up on her on her arrival, he invited her, you know, to come to supper, but she's like, but, but look at me. Like, it makes more sense <laughs> for you to come to me. Obviously. So you think does. this goddess is going to get up and walk over to the dinner table? Yeah, please. Um, you're welcome that I'm here. Yeah. Come to me, bring me dinner. Yeah, you're lucky I showed up at all. Yep. And so, you know, to show his good humor and curiosity, he complied. Um, and he found when he got there, like, what he walked into. I am going to read this direct quote because... Oh. Uh What does this even mean? So, quote, Nothing so admirable as the great number of lights, for on a sudden there was a lit down altogether, so great a number of branches with lights in them, so ingeniously disposed, some in squares, some in circles. The whole thing was a spectacle that seldom has been equaled for their beauty. So, like... All of the sudden, from the ceiling, these, like, branches with, like, lights. What are the lights? Fire? Yeah. What? Like, I was thinking that. I was like, there's no electricity. These are not battery like fairy, lights. fairy lights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how cool. And all these different shapes on the branches. Like, what this would have looked like. It... it it Anthony. probably looked like magic. Oh, yeah. Antony was, like, done, like smitten. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, She's really created a romantic atmosphere Oh, yeah. Here. She, in fact, promised him the most expensive dinner he'll ever attend. Yeah. So um, he said, and he went, he's like, okay, I'm going to take it all in. Um, he said that he'd never seen anything like it. Fine. But he doubted it was, like, the world's most expensive feast. Yeah. So, I mean, he can afford quite a bit, I'm assuming. So. Right. So here, little detectives out there, this is a good insight on this is their first meeting. This is how it's going. This says a lot about them. He's saying, nah, I don't think it's the most expensive. Well, Our girl, much like us, loves a dramatic moment. So she takes off one of her earrings with this huge pearl dangling on it. And she drops the pearl into a goblet of wine. And the pearl rapidly dissolves in the liquid. And she downs the glass and said, now it's definitely the most expensive. And again, he's just blown away. Yeah. And like, I did look it up and pearls do dissolve in wine. Because I'm like, God, did this really happen? Please tell me it happened. They do? They do. They're made of calcium carbonate. They dissolve in acid. Wine contains some acid. However, the wine today, it takes forever because the acid concentration is so low. Okay. So it would have to be submerged for a long time. But back then, then. it did rapidly, which gives us a little look into what their wine was like. And that's what they were binge drinking. Oh, my gosh. Pearl wine. Keep that on the back burner. TM. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making a wine now called Pearl Wine TM. Um, And... Well, for the sake of this podcast, I did hear, like, a more, like, dramatic version of the story. Mm -hmm. Yep. um, It was printed in a classic journal in 1957. So, I mean, you know, 
not no, it's true. But it's dramatic. It's <laughs> so, um, in this, Cleopatra made a bet with him that she could spend an estimated $20 million in today's currency on a single dinner. And he was like, okay, fine. They go to this dinner. She orders, like, a modest meal for a queen. Anyways, like, it's not modest. Okay, yeah. But, like, she orders a modest meal for a queen and, like, a glass of vinegar. And they all thought it was weird. Yeah. And so when the vinegar arrives, she pulls the pearl out of her ear, drops it in the vinegar, and it dissolves into a slush. And then she slams it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Vinegar slush. Oh, yeah. With pearl. Oh, I like, mean, that is more dramatic. No, I know, yeah. I prefer the wine. Yeah. I, I prefer pearl wine TM. Yeah, you probably, like, don't need to be, like, drinking pearls when your parents were brother and sister, too. You know, like, what's going like, Yeah. None of this is healthy. No, Are you okay? <laughs> also, the fact that the wine itself is very acidic yeah. concerns me. Yes. And, like, <laughs> and again, this was their first interaction. They're drinking. They're betting each other, allegedly. Ooh. They're playing games. Like, this is this is them. So, Antony liked to think of himself as the embodiment of Dionysus, who is <laughs> the god of wine and revelry. Also, to be said, the god of wine, festivity, fertility, debauchery, all Dionysus. Sounds great. He's the yeah. god. Yeah, that's the god to be. <laughs> that's the god. So... When Cleopatra shows up to this thing dressed as Venus, oh, you know, yeah, kismet. Like, oh yeah, so like goddess of love, beauty, desire, procreation. Uh-huh. Yeah, it seemed like they go hand in. Oh, and hand. everyone's like that. It's them. It's meant to be. Yes, this is them. So <laughs> he's still married. Instantly forgetting his faithful wife, who was in oh. Italy, working hard to maintain her husband's affairs against the young Octavian. Antony goes back to Alexandria with Cleopatra. Yeah. Rude. Yeah. So he summons her. She comes to meet him. All this happens. He leaves with her. (laughs) That's all it takes. That's all it takes. So she needed him, though. She needed him to help maintain her crown in Egypt's, like, sovereignty. And, you know, everyone needs Egypt. Like, their riches, their resources. Yeah. He, He needs it. So here we go. Here comes the drinking, the drinking club. club. So Cleopatra was said to have studied the general's likes and dislikes, and she participated in all of his stuff. She never left his side. Even when he went to work running like military drills and stuff, she was there watching. Like she spent every second learning his ways. Mm-hmm. And in the winter of 41 to 40 BC, it was the loudest winter ever. Like, it oh. was... Oh, it was so much. Um, The word that was describing this scene over and over again, every source I read, was straight hedonism. Like, oh, even by ancient Egyptian and Roman royal standards, like... It, they were mm, doing yes. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, just to add a little oomph, I looked up the definition of hedonism just to really drill yeah. this home. Mm-hmm. And it's the philosophy that the ethical theory that pleasure is the highest good and proper aim of human life. So just like pleasure fest. Good for them. Like, yeah, 4140 BC. Not good for them in a lot of things they've done up until this point. And also he's married. No, no longer good for them. Yeah. But if he had gotten divorced, good for them. They're living their damn lives. <laughs> I know. It's They're a- going to have a drinking club. This is great. <laughs> yep. They well, I mean, they did form a drinking club and they called it the Inimitable Livers. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. 
the inimitable livers. How are you supposed to say that when you're drunk? I don't know. <laughs> you're trying to like you pregame. You try to get into this yeah. drinking club, and you're like, uh, is this the inimitable? <laughs> yeah, um, inimitable means so good or unusual as to be impossible to copy. Unique. Is the it is that yeah that is the <laughs> the definition. Um, so when I heard this, inimitable livers, right? Like 40, 41 BC. Like, I know the Egyptians were smart, but like, did they know that the liver is like regulating your alcohol? I did not connect those. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. I tried to look into this. Uh Okay. And it took a a long time. I spent way too long on it and didn't find a lot. However, what I did find to give us a little insight here is uh, how they, how they viewed the liver I guess. So mm-hmm. obviously they didn't have like medical data saying like, oh, the liver filters alcohol, you know? Right. Um, so what I found was there was a deity named Imset and he was one of the four sons of Horus and he's associated with the canopic jar. The, um, I hope I'm saying that right. The canopic jars are those little um, jars like when they're mummifying people that they put the organs in, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. And so his um, was the one that contained the liver. That's like the one that he looked oh. Over. And everything I read about him, um, I drew the conclusion that the Egyptians saw the liver as the seat of human emotion. Oh. So so they weren't really like tying it to the alcohol itself rather than like. That's the thing. The funness. Everywhere (laughs) says that it was called the inimitable livers. Like everything from back then, it doesn't seem like it was like some Victorian thing and they just named it. No, it's like it was called that back then. And they're referring to. Liver, like yeah, it could so, have meant anything out. Like no, wow. so I mean, it was the seat of human emotion. So I mean, I okay. guess maybe like so, like impossible to copy, unique, like our emotion to get like or yeah. something. Is there something there? Someone I feel like there is. Up? I feel like there's. You gotta like look <clears throat> kind of deep into it. Yeah, there. and that's probably what they're going for because as cool as they seem they also seem a little bit pretentious right <laughs> just, like just a wee bit yeah i'm gonna I'm slam this pearl shot yeah real quick this, yeah this vinegar sludge yeah <laughs> to make a point to yeah. look hot in front of yes. you I, i'm gonna dress up as a goddess yeah at, while i'm being fanned mm-hmm. under what was it like a gold oh yeah a cloth of gold canopy. yeah uh-huh. um the a little bit pretentious just a quick side note um the people fanning her were supposedly these just beautiful young boys dressed as cupid she had like little oh. little cupids fanning oh. her yeah it's a paid. lot it's a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so here it is what did this club do here is here's what we know Okay. Okay. All that we know about this club from contemporary sources mm-hmm. is that they engaged in nightly feasts and wine binges, like hard wine binges. Oh, yeah. And they did all these like crazy games and contests with like these like crazy prizes. Um, I couldn't find a lot of those games. The only one I could find that Cleopatra and Mark Antony were just all about is they wandered the streets of Alexandria in disguise playing pranks on people. Just that sounds so fun. Wasted. <laughs> that just sounds great. Shit faced. Yeah. yeah. And like 
they're Cleopatra and Mark Antony. They knew. Like, the citizens of Alexandria are like, okay, here they come, you <laughs> oh know? Oh, my God, they're coming. And you know they were just, like, going next door. They're not, like, going two miles away in the city. They're no, they're yeah. just going next door, and the, the neighbors of the club are like, oh, they're like something like, oh, God, here they come. They're getting, like, ding-dong ditched. Oh, yeah, and they all just played along. They're like, oh, who did that? Yeah. Couldn't have been Cleopatra. You know, like, they all just played along who with it. Who like, was do? Don't recognize her. <laughs> uh, there was... Uh, philosopher named Plutarch who was there and saw this whole thing. So I'm going to read you this quote because this is he saw it and this is what he said they did. Okay. So he said, at night she Cleopatra would go rambling with him, Mark Antony, to disturb and torment people at their doors and windows dressed like a servant woman and Antony also went in a servant's disguise. From these expeditions he often came home very scurvily answered and sometimes even beaten severely. I was okay, sorry. I was just going to say yeah. like <laughs> I feel like if they really thought you were servants, they'd be like, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. Right, yeah, okay, this, but this no, they were. Have... They were. They tricked a couple people. Oh yeah, these uh-huh. were the other drunk people not in the club that oh, were like, yeah. Who's uh-huh. this guy? Uh, yeah. Yep, I'm gonna beat the shit out <laughs> of you, <laughs> servant. Yep. Yeah. Um okay, yeah, so sometimes he was beaten and then even though, quote, most people guessed who it was. However, the Alexandrians oh. in general liked it all well enough, and they joined good humoredly and kindly in the frolic and play, saying that they were much obliged to Anthony for acting his tragic parts out in Rome and keeping the comedy for them. End quote. <laughs> it's like it. he's a little comedian for yeah. all of us. Yeah, it's entertaining. It's oh, fine. We'll let it yeah. slide. The real tragedy happened out in Rome, didn't it? Yeah. Keep it, keep it lighthearted out here in Egypt for us. Yeah. Thanks. Punch. <laughs> I'm a beach ass a little bit though. Yeah, but like still, it's the middle of the night, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so they're having these nightly feasts and wine binges, and people are kind of starting to see them as a cult to the god of Dionysus. Oh. That's kind of what people are saying they're doing. So, being a detective, trying to figure out what they're doing, because that quote is all I could find. Oh, my God. Again, I say it every time. Oh, man. I there is This is ancient Egypt. This is Cleopatra, Mark Antony. There is probably, like, universities out there, like, mm-hmm. these historical institutions that have, you know, some kind of answers if you dig. But from what I can find... That was it. That's what we know. Yes. Um, and if you have that information, we want to hear it. Yes, please tell us if you know <laughs> no. what they were doing at this club, because I couldn't find need anything. To know. Um, so what I ended up doing was looking up what was happening at Dionysus celebrations in general. There you because go. Because yeah. everyone thought that that's what they were doing. So they must have been doing something similar, right? Mm-hmm. So um, participants of these festivals saw Dionysus as this liberator. So during the festival, like women, slaves, prisoners, everyone could experience liberation and freedom, uh, which was normally only reserved for certain citizens. And and this, yeah. so this is mostly going to be like in Athens and stuff, like areas around Greece where they're doing these big festivals. Um, again, they were being called this cult of Dionysus. Yeah. So it could have looked similar to this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's possible that at this drinking club, everyone was like, it's it's possible that everyone was kind of treated maybe a little equally. I'm going to, like, cross my fingers for that. Because right. if that's how the festival goes down, maybe yeah. that's how this drinking club went down. Exactly. And I also couldn't find 
who was in this club. Um, so it could have been servants. It yeah, could have been... or, like, their best friends, you know? Yeah. Like, they had friends. Like, they had people in their circles. I'm sure they were all there. Maybe, like, her, you know, her, like, favorite, um, you know, like, maid of honor or lady... I'm not, I don't know what they were called. Like, yeah. lady-in-waiting role, you know? Yeah, Maybe yeah. them, um... Or like, or maybe not. Maybe it was just Mark Antony and Cleopatra just, and Plutarch just being yeah. nice, like, oh yeah, the group totally ran around, but like they're the group. No one's invited. It's yeah. just them in their own little club. I feel like that's the way I'd do it. <laughs> but um, a common feature shared by all of the Dionysus festivals uh, was wine. Like wine is Great. it. That is the one thing uniting all of this. Acidic wine, though. So uh, I'm like excited about that, but then I remember. Their wine's acidic as hell. Oh, yeah. It we does not taste like our wine. We could not hang. No. We could not hang. There would be goat sacrificed in Dionysus's honor. Like, men would dress up as satyrs and just outrageous amounts of wine are being consumed. And also, tragedy began at these festivals. They would oh. have a tra- oh, tragedy. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> tragedy, like, like comedy tragedy, like a play. Oh, yeah. oh thank God. Okay. I was like, <laughs> there had never purpose? been a tragedy ever until this festival. <laughs> no, tragedies like that. Oh, okay. Oh, um, that's great. Yes. They would yeah. have, like, contests, like, and they would plan forever. You know, it was, like, funded by the state and everything, and they would, like, fund these big, uh, they would have three different tragedies that would all play out, and at the end, they would all vote on it. So, I don't know, like, maybe maybe that was going on there. Maybe they were kind of doing, like, yeah, some little plays or I something. I could absolutely see that. That's a big a part thing. of it mm-hmm. in, in Greece, anyways. So, so who knows? Um, the only other only other thing we can do to give us a little insight on this was take a look at the drinking culture in ancient Egypt. Ooh. Yep. So wine was most commonly produced from like grapes, but sometimes made from palms and dates. But it was mostly drank by nobles because the fruits were hard to find. Oh. Um, beer was kind of like the staple, you know, every oh, okay. Egyptian's out there drinking beer. Yeah. But wine, it was hard to find the fruits. Um it was a super simple distilling process, similar to today. Um, but yeah, the nobles were the ones who were who were drinking the wine and they weren't holding back. So if you were going to an Egyptian banquet and you were expecting wine, there was so much wine. There was so much food. You're listening to live music. There's beautiful women dancing, probably nude. This is just a normal, you know, like Sounds celebration like, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times moderation was actually frowned upon because oh. drunkenness was a sign of like wealth and abundance. Okay. Our yeah. people. I'm yeah. like the richest. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. I am also like really concerned. Like the now more adult part of my brain is like, oh, what were the hangovers like the next day? <laughs> I don't know. And what were their hangover cures? Ooh, I don't know. Does mm. someone want to hear it? Write in and yeah. we'll look into it for I you. Spill the mean at gmail.com or any messaging <laughs> on any social media. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Well, again, it's one of those things where like, uh, can, are you drinking the water? No. Like, are you always kind of a little drunk? Like, yeah, I, do, I don't know. And so then if you are always kind of a little drunk, these parties are like going hard. Because if you remember, they said that Cleopatra and Mark Antony went hard even by like normal standards. Yeah. And these normal standards are a lot like people are like, you know, making 
toasts and like passing out, getting in fights. Like there's mm-hmm. naked chicks dancing, like all in Egyptian stuff. Like yeah. oh man, like it's it's, it's a wild, lot. a yeah. lot. But yeah, alcoholic production was a major industry throughout most of Egyptian history, and like its consumption was important for a lot of reasons. They had like religious reasons and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So they definitely were not afraid to drink to the point of inebriation. And not only that, but sometimes it was, like, expected and, like, considered proper etiquette. (laughs) So, like... If you don't get drunk, you're fucking rude. Yeah. Like, (laughs) how hard were they going? So, especially at the drinking club. Especially at the drinking club. Yeah, if this is just how parties were. Yeah. My God. And I wonder, like, how often it was. I mean, they said nightly feasts. Like, I don't know. I mean, it could have been... It, okay, it's one of two things. It's super lax, like, oh, hey, babe, see you for dinner. Oh, I want to make, ah, ha, ha, the drinking club's back together. Yeah. One of those kind of things. It's like, guess we're all going off tonight. Yep. Here we go. Or it's like a, the club's meeting tonight. Everyone meet at this time. Yeah, they're wear cult. Your, the yeah. Dionysus cult. Yeah, yeah. wear your togas. Like, we're showing up. Bring a sacrificial goat. We're doing this. You know? Like, <laughs> that's when you know the party's getting turned is the sacrificial goat. Yes. That, that's when it's that's going it. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I have a feeling it was... Okay, I don't have a feeling. I just want to believe that it was an official thing where all their friends came. And you know, now that I think about it, they didn't have to have hangover cures because they were always drunk. They oh, wouldn't yeah. get hangover because then they'd wake up in the morning and they'd have their morning wine. Oh, yeah, no. There's no getting drunk. It's remaining drunk. Yes. All the <laughs> time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's your summary of history, period. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> drunk all the time. <laughs> and that's why everything happened the way it did. Yes. <laughs> You're ever wondering, but Why? Everyone was drunk. That's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a pretty good insight to it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so that's what we have. That's what that's we know. That's fantastic. I yeah. want to be a part of this club. Me too. Yeah. And again, it's so much room for speculation. I mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. Again, this was so fun to look into because there wasn't a lot. At first, I panicked. I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. This was a suggestion. Like, we've got to do this. We've yeah. got to figure it out. But... It was so fun to, like, play detective I kind of love that it's extra secret. That's how you know it really was, like, a secret drinking club. a real thing. And no one leaked it, whoever Uh the members were, whether it was just them, whether it was everyone. Like, they they kept it on lock. If you're making a time machine, hit us up because we want to go find out the realty on the drinking club. We want to be in it. I would would love to be in this club. Yes, know all the little tiny toward details. And it was also cool because, like, obviously, you know, we've heard the name Cleopatra, but I didn't know anything about her. Nothing. Or Mark Antony. Yeah. And I kind of thought that I did, you know, until I started looking and realized I didn't know anything. No, this is crazy. Yeah. And so interesting. I love that. And the way their story ends is crazy, too. So... I, you know, we ended it with a drinking club. However, mm-hmm. I have the information. I know how their story ends. So if you would like to know, listeners, how Cleopatra and Mark Antony's story ends, if you were like me and had no clue, or if you just need a little refresher on how their story ends, you can pop over to our social media where we will have a video for you explaining their tragic end to their tragic story. Oh, I'm so ready to hear it because I don't even know it. I know it's yeah. it's it's wild. Okay. It's a crazy one. Yeah. So much drama. Yes. Yeah, so follow us at Spill the Mead on everything. Spill <laughs> We're on <mead> everything. <laughs> on everything. Follow us and keep listening. Thanks. 
All right, and now it is time for a fresh cup. So this is from subreddit relationships. Um, I'm not going to read the title because I feel like the titles give away too much. Okay. So I'm just going to like get right into it. Love it. Okay. My my fiance and I are recently engaged and have been together since we were 18. She's not the bridezilla type, but she has imagined a nice wedding. She's not very social and has no sisters, female cousins. And as a result, she has no bridesmaids. Okay. Zero. My heart can't. I know. I knew this would like hurt you a bit. I'll do it. I know. I've been a a bridesmaid so many times, girl. I've got this. Oh yeah. You've got it down. You can be a great (laughs) bridesmaid. I, on the other hand, have a solid group of guys to be groomsmen and they're already talking bachelor party. My fiance won't have a bridal shower or bachelorette party or anyone to go dress shopping with, etc. It's really bringing her down and she won't even talk about weddings. Once she said between sniffles, can't we just sign a paper at the courthouse? But I know neither of us really want that. I suggested having my sisters and cousins as bridesmaids, but they don't really know her well and likely wouldn't want to. How can I help her? Oh, and she wanted the big wedding? Is that what you said? She had always envisioned a big wedding? She has imagined a nice okay. wedding. So it's not like... Would his what she's family always... not want to? I would. Right? Absolutely. Unless she was just horrible. Yeah, she you sounds know? really nice. No, she I sounds mean, this sweet. Was very short, but yeah, she sounds like yeah, a sweetie and pie. Shy. That's how I'm envisioning her anyways. Yes. He said she's not the bridezilla type, so she can't be she's awful, gotta, Yeah, she's got to be pretty nice. Yeah. And she's just not social, which like, fair enough. Right. I'm an introvert at heart. Yeah. So I get it. But uh, there is an update. I'm not going to leave you hanging at that. So don't Okay, I'm just going to say, oh, no, I want to help. Yeah, I feel like a lot of ours, our uh, fresh cups have been a little dark or sad. So I picked one with a happy ending. Are just a whole so you know. bunch of people from Reddit getting ready? <laughs> is she going to have no. 12,000 bridesmaids? <laughs> because... No, but that would be fantastic. Okay. <laughs> but no, even better. So, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm just going to get into it. Okay. Um... So feel good. I did not expect to update this fast. Did not expect to update at all unless something miraculous happened, and it did. In short, I have the best friends in the world. I read through a ton of these comments, but not all, and decided to look for my fiance's box of wedding planning stuff because I had a suspicion. Inside the box was all these magazine clippings of a big church wedding, flower ideas and stuff, and then I saw pictures of the dresses. They were all big, poofy, ornate things that didn't seem akin to my fiance's style at all, but they're similar to the dresses my sisters wore at their weddings. Okay. It all sort of clicked to me. My fiance probably doesn't want a church wedding or any of these fancy trimmings, but she's trying to win my family's favor. (gasps) The hell? I really should have noticed this earlier and gotten more involved, I know. Oh my gosh, his his light bulb moment is like melting me. Sweetie. So my fiance flew home on Thursday to spend a few days with her dad, Father's Day weekend and all. And I couldn't go because of work, so I was alone until this morning. So I called up my buddy, Ravi, 26 male. Ravi's my best man. We've known each other since we were kids, split up when we went off to college, and reconnected three years ago. We moved to SC so I could join the company he works for. I just opened up to Ravi. It was really late, but he listened to me anyway about my worries about my fiance. He said that it was very likely that she was trying to curry favor with my family, but she probably wasn't going to admit it easily. He said he'd talk to her. 
I told him that he barely knows her. He said not to worry that he'd be around tomorrow evening. My fiance came home happy. She always is after seeing her dad. This morning, I went off to work without asking about the wedding. And she's set to work on her writing. She's off for the summer. I got home early and at like 5 p.m., Ravi came to my house with my other good friends, Carson, Andrew, and Tim, 23 to 30 male. I know these guys from various places and we're a solid group. Still, this was unexpected. Ravi came up to my fiance and said that the guys were taking her wedding dress shopping. We were both freaked out as hell. I had no idea this was coming, and my fiance looked like she wanted to crawl into a hole and die. She whispered to me, (laughs) okay, this is gonna this is gonna hurt a little bit. She whispered to me, they won't like me. And I (laughs) don't don't cry. I know, I know. It's a happy ending. Don't forget. They've been together since they were 18. They already know her though. (laughs) Well, remember him and Robbie didn't talk for a while. Yep, that's Mm -hmm. right. Okay, okay. And she's not very outgoing. Um, I urged her to just go for it. Robbie reminded her that he has sisters. Carson's been divorced and Andrew's had his fair share of girlfriends, so they know dresses. <laughs> Plus, he has a lady friend that works at a small boutique where they'd try first. Okay, Robbie for president. Oh my God. Oh my Everyone God. needs a Robbie in their life. You're my Robbie. <laughs> oh, man, you're my Robbie. Are we going to cry? <laughs> I would take Mike wedding dress shopping. <laughs> he would go. He would go. And he would say, she's not going to like me. And I would. Uh, I'm going to say, probably not. But you're going to go anyway because she's my best friend. He's going to be like, I didn't want to wedding dress Maddie. He'll fucking make it work, right? She's my best friend. That's my Robbie. She wants you to wear a dress. You're going to wear it. I'm just going to call you that from now on. It's not, that's my best friend. I'm going to be like, that's my Robbie right there. You're my Robbie. That's my Robbie. <laughs> she still didn't want to go. And then he said something like, hey, you're marrying our best friend. Don't you think we should get to know you and make sure you're not a ghost or something? He's not great with tact. But she chuckled a little at that and gave in. They were gone for a while and came back an hour ago. They didn't find a dress, but they looked around stores for a while and fiance found a style she liked. Is that it? Is that that? No, no, no. Oh, Oh, no, you're waving. I thought you need to say something. No, my hands are like so sweaty. I don't know if you're going to edit this out, but if you're not going to, it's 500 degrees in this room. Oh my gosh, it's so fucking hot. I'm sitting at the edge of my chair so that my butt doesn't sweat on your chair. Oh no, I know. I'm so sorry. My house faces west. It's Uh so rough. Yeah, it's so... the sunlight room, I feel like. I have like planty hands anyway, so I'm sitting over here waiting. Oh, I'm... My phone is going to be soaked when I put it down to sit in my sofa. There's a beautiful image for all of you you just trying to go to work. sweaty and gross. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that is not the end. Um, okay. Uh, fiance found a style she liked, not the poofy ball gown style. They also went out for ice cream. And when they walked in the door, she was joking and laughing with them all. I hadn't seen her so happy in a long time. It was amazing. <laughs> then we all sat down together and Robbie asked her to talk to me about what's on her mind. I still don't know how they got her to open up. She whispered that she really didn't want the big church wedding, that she wanted to wait a little while and plan a small ceremony for just the people we really care about. I was all for it. I told her not to worry about bridesmaids or anything. It could just be us. She said, no, she wants her dad, the guy and my family to be there. Andrew, a kick-ass guitar player, said he'd put together a band for us. He asked my fiance what her favorite song is. He'd figure out an arrangement. 
This is the kind of question she usually dodges, but she blushed a little and actually told the truth. Panama by Van Halen, if anyone cares. Girl knows how to rock out. (laughs) This was the real sign that she's starting to trust them. I don't think anyone knows her favorite song except me and her dad, who who bought her Van Halen CDs growing up. Okay, I... This last line is going to, like, murder you. Okay. I told her I'd call my family and tell them about the church and tell them the church wedding's off. If they make a big stink about it, I don't fucking care. I have my bros and my beautiful future bride. That's all the family I need. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So there's your happy one. That's beautiful. Isn't it great? That was was lovely. You know? It's still Team Ravi. Yeah. If no one's going to ride in with the fresh cup, that was the next best thing. Oh, my gosh. So sweet. <laughs> Please yeah. ride in with a fresh yeah, cup. We, we don't always need bad fresh cups. If you want one, with a, if you yeah. have one with a happy ending. Yeah. We love to hear that, too. Yes. Or we might cry. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> probably I, will. <laughs> probably. And, like, that just means it. we care. Yes. We just want to hear it. Ugh. Okay. Well, that is everything for today. And Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Keep doing that. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Spill the Mead is written and produced by Emily Bourdon and Maddie Gervais. Music is composed by Nicholas Lee. You can find him at nicholasleemusic.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-L-E-I-G-H-M-U-S-I-C.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Spill the Mead.